Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad, so enjoy the show! Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your stories to me has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there. No questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not, not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story and their story is your story and then it's our story and then it's a podcast so it's everybody's story and then you've shared it and gosh that's great huh and even if you don't think you're a nerd you probably are it's easily the most midwestern thing i've ever been a part of Hi, everybody. I'm Eric Garneau, and this is part one of the special Nerdalux Presents Your Stories podcast recorded live at the Chicago Design Museum, a wonderful nonprofit doing great work in the city. This episode's storytellers were coordinated by Mr. Tanner Woodford, the museum's director and an all-around great guy that you heard from a couple times last year on this show. Uh, this time out, you'll hear from Tanner himself, plus me, designer and fellow podcaster James T. Green, and Claire Friedman, and you'll get music from me, Claire, and Chicago talents Jason Seed and Tara Ramsey. Uh, and there's more where this comes from next week. Uh, so if you enjoy this show, our next live Your Stories recording will be Sunday, February 21st at the Sum Office Theater, 1917 North Elston in Chicago. Uh, it's February, so that means for the fourth year in a row, it is Fan Fiction Month. Uh, this time we're doing something pretty special. Uh, in the second half of the show, the Nerdalogs will be dramatically reading an episode of He-Man that I wrote when I was 14. Uh, so it's going to be weird and really cool. Uh, we hope you can make it. And now before we get to the show, I'd like to again thank our sponsor for the episode, Cards Against Humanity, as well as the entire Chicago Podcast Co-op. You can check out the co-op shows on iTunes, and if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review them. Uh, it really helps shows like ours find new listeners. Thanks so much for your time and support, friends. Uh, with no further ado, let's get to the show. So the theme tonight is beginnings. There's always a theme. Tanner picked the theme. It is the second time we've done a show with that theme as it happened. And the first time we did a bunch of songs that were the first tracks on albums. Uh, fun fact, Claire was not singing with us when uh, when we did that the first time. So tonight she picked all the songs that she didn't pick back then. So Claire, do you want to introduce was these songs? Was it that long ago? It was that long ago. Wow. Yeah. What what amazing history we what have. What a crazy road it's been. <laughs> Let me tell. No. Okay. Um, yeah, so this song, uh, so it's the first song off of an album. Oh, that, yes, that's true. Um, and I'm from Minnesota. Yes. And so I was looking for songs, and this one came up, and I was like, oh, I relate to this. <laughs> this is the theme song for our football team that I have no interest in. <laughs> um, is that true? Is, oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, this is the first uh, track off uh, Led Zeppelin Three. 
and I didn't believe it would work. Know. Yeah, it's level three. I didn't think it would work, but uh, I now I I've been my mind has been changed. So let's. Uh... That we're at the Chicago Design Museum. This is Tanner Woodford. Tanner! All right, can everybody hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Rocking. Cool. Um, <clears throat> to William, date July 13, 2007, 11:49 a.m. Subject: I got a Gmail, biatch. Body, and it's going to be fun to hang out with you guys before the wedding. I think we're going to go to the zoo. And maybe the Simpsons movie. And Thursday at noon, we're having margaritas in Mexico, followed by a private wine tasting event at a vineyard bordering Mexico. I think all the DDs are squared away too, so you, can, you and Lindsay can totally relax and have some fun. To Mike, date August fourth, two thousand ten, at four nineteen p.m. Subject: Cross your fingers. The interview at Morningstar went well. I was drilled for six hours straight, with a total of ten thirty-minute interviews plus lunch with the design team. I feel confident in most of my answers, with a few exceptions. Damn nerves. One of the highlights is speaking with Philip Burton. The way I understand it, Phil was recommended by Paul Rand to the CEO, to the CEO of Morningstar. <clears throat> he took the job and hired many of the current designers on staff. He studied with some of the professors at ASU, so we had a lot to talk about. Now I wait. I'm expecting to hear something next week. I feel like I'm in purgatory. To Mike. Date, September 11th, 2010. At 7.04 p.m. Subject. Dude. Chicago is amazing. Gorgeous weather. Rough road trip. Two blown tires. Bank cards marked as fraudulent. But we made it and love it. Excited to start at Morningstar next week. 
Sorry to be short, no internet. I'm tapping this out on my droid. How's the DW talk coming? I hope I get a chance to hear it. To Amanda, Jason, Libby, David, Jim, Kyle, Raina, and Robin. Date, April 30th, 2012 at 6.04 p.m. Subject, board meeting reminder, 5-1. Folks, good news. I have keys for 700 North Sacramento, number 201, in my pocket. Let's plan to meet there for our board meeting tomorrow night at 7.45 p.m. As the space is totally empty, feel free to bring a chair along. Otherwise, you'll be sitting on the floor, which I plan to do. We'll try to move in some furniture before the next meeting. Jennifer Schaffer, a photographer friend of Libby and Jason, is coming to take headshots for our marketing material. We decided against wearing similar clothing, but I thought I'd give you notice, should you decide to wear fancy pants. Jim. Robin Paparaki, our new events advisor, is joining the board. She will be our final edition for 2012. As per usual, please send me your agenda items. Looking forward to finally sharing the space with you. Yours, Tanner. 2L. Date, April 28th, 2013 at 11.44 p.m. Subject, thank you. Hi, Elle, I just wanted to thank you for your presentation at MoxieCon yesterday. It was incredibly moving and exactly what I didn't know I needed. I run a nonprofit called the Chicago Design Museum. We aim to unite, inform, and inspire the Chicago design community through temporary temporal exhibitions and rotating uh, vacant retail and office spaces. It's a fun concept and it's something I've poured myself into on nights and weekends. This year is the most successful we've had to date and I've been seriously considering leaving my day job to pursue this business full time. I feel like the presentation you gave was directed at me. Let's stay in touch and thank you. Yours sincerely, Tanner Woodford. <clears throat> to Robin. Date, June 13th, 2013 at 5.02 p.m. Subject, an offer of support. Hey, I'm pretty sure Barb and Dad are leaving Tuesday night. Stacia and Donnie arrive Thursday. This leaves me Wednesday night to, uh, to myself. You don't have to tell me today, but if I can be useful in any way after, you, after work on Wednesday, I'm here for you. This includes, but is not limited to, installing, cleaning, bringing food, bringing beer, moral support, petting your cat, snuggling with, snuggling with you when you're done, but not keeping you up late, stopping by and telling everyone how awesome they are, or staying away entirely. Love, Tanner. To Robin. Date, August 8th, 2013, at 9.55 a.m. Subject, the meaning of life. I wasn't able to articulate my thoughts well this morning or last night because I couldn't slow my head down. However, the following is what was coursing through me. It's primarily what I was drawing from when I was suggesting you consider short to midterm planning this morning. It was written on the train on the way in, so it takes the form of half thoughts and short sentences. <clears throat> it is a universal truth that everything ends. Let that sink in. Everything. If everything ends, what's the point? Happiness, which unfortunately, is subjective and hard to manage. What does it mean to be happy in the short term? Vacation, drugs, and money? In the midterm, projects, acquaintances, and distant plans? In the long term, relationships, career, and family? I know that short term leaves you feeling empty immediately. Midterm is something achievable, something to look forward to. Long term is the most sustainable, and you can't guarantee its realization. I'm happy most of the time in my short to midterm. I trust that I can be happy in the long term, but I found recently that I can't trust any of my long term ideas. Is the meaning of life a series of midterm happinesses? Thank you. Thank you, Tanner. God, Tanner with the amazing person that got us in there last year.
I've been blessed here. I don't know when Kevin and everybody else been. So great. Such a great dude. Thank you for giving us this space, this opportunity. Man, uh, and here's your punishment for Tanner being so nice. Now I'm going to tell a story. <laughs> so uh, the once a year that I do this, but I, I feel like, I don't know, I have something, I have something to say about this. Uh, I've been feeling really introspective thanks to Facebook lately. You know that, like, on this day, bullshit. So they're supposed to, like, filter out the ones that are, like, really traumatic, but they don't always do that. And so I was thinking about this story this, this week, and uh, so here we go. I'm going to get real. And Tanner said that was okay, so <laughs> let's get real. All right. So this is the second Your Story show to have the theme beginnings. The original happened three years ago, January 20th, 2013. Another thing that happened that night is my grandmother died. Uh, this isn't a story about my grandmother's death. That story's been told on this show, and it doesn't need repeating. But what this is is a story about my phone. Uh, see, my grandmother died, and I started turning my phone off at night. I had to keep it on while she was alive. She lived in an assisted care home, and I could at any minute get a call from the staff there about some emergency that required my immediate attention. Uh, it was a matter of safety, really. My phone had to stay on, and I had to stay vigilant. Uh, but then my grandmother died, and I didn't need to keep my phone on at night anymore. She was my last living family member that I had any kind of positive relationship with. So it's not like anyone else uh, with my blood would need me. Uh, I wasn't seeing anybody, so I didn't have romantic obligations. I could sleep knowing that no one would need to talk to me so badly that it couldn't wait until a reasonable hour. Uh, guys, if you haven't picked up on this by now, my phone is a metaphor. Uh, when my grandmother died and my last familial tether was severed, I felt lots of things, and ashamedly, one of the things that I felt was kind of free. I felt like I could finally enjoy myself without the burden of being responsible for another human life. That's a weird thing to feel at the age of 29. And over the next few years, I enjoyed myself a lot. I moved from my grandmother's old house in the suburbs to an apartment in the city. I became more involved with comedy. I got a job that paid me a reasonable amount, and I actually enjoyed. Uh, I traveled a lot. I made good stories. These are all great things, but I kept my phone off. Uh, in case you haven't quite gotten there yet, I'll just spell it out for you now. My phone is a metaphor for me being connected to my emotions. <laughs> So let me talk about my emotions for a second. After the week following my grandmother's death, which I swear this story isn't about that, uh, I didn't really think about them a lot. I remember the last time I got super emotional was when one of my best friends called me maybe a month after the fact, the thing that the story's not about, and sort of asked me all these questions about how I was doing, how I felt, whether there was any guilt or shame or fear or whatever rolling around in my brain. Uh, and I couldn't wait to get off the phone with my best friend. Intellectually, I knew that he meant well, but I actually got mad at him for asking me those things. How could he ask me those things? Who did he think he was? I certainly wasn't going to talk about it. So I told him I was fine, and I ended the call promptly, and I didn't really think about it again until I'd gotten enough distance. And that suited me fine. With calls like that, who needed to keep their phone on? And then, last summer, I met someone. It happened immediately and without warning, and she made me feel a lot of things I hadn't felt in a long time. It was a lightning strike of attraction. I'd never been drawn to anyone so quickly and so fully. You know that story. And this isn't a story about that person. That story may never be told, and that's okay. What this is, is a story about how that person affected me. Because I met that person, and that night, literally that night, I started keeping my phone on again. Because what if she wanted to text me? What if there was something so important that we had to talk about it? And I mean important in the way that only two people who really feel things for each other would think was important because for the rest of the world it seems trivial and stupid. What if? But again, this isn't a story about that person. Partially because as quickly as I met her, our interactions stopped. It was a few weeks of unexpectedly intense emotions, followed by not much. Not much, except that I felt like I had remembered something important. I remembered what it was like to connect to other people in earnest, unguarded, terrifying, and rewarding ways. Now, here's the thing about me. Outside of this show, which I've been doing for almost five years now, uh, if you didn't pick up on this, I've been pretty bad at doing that connecting thing for the past few years. But I'm working on getting better. I'm still leaving my phone on at night, 
And now sometimes people I like text me, and that's really cool. And sometimes they don't, and that's also okay. Leaving the connection open, that's the thing. And I hope that by my telling this story here, I'm taking a step towards correcting the path that I took the last time we talked about beginnings during the show. Uh, maybe when I do this in another three years, when Tanner 2.0 decides we're going to do another show about beginnings, I'll have some revelation that being a closed-off, adventure-seeking robot really is the way to go. That still doesn't sound too awful to me. But until then, I'm down to feel stuff. So text me, guys. That's my story. Beginnings too. All right. All of that is true, by the way. That is that is not a lie. Uh, so coming up next to the stage, a newcomer to the Your Story stage, but certainly not a newcomer to storytelling. He is a conceptual artist, a designer, a developer, and a podcaster at Open Ended, another wonderful part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. This is James T. Green. As I thought about what I wanted to share here about beginnings, I thought about pivotal moments that circled my life. I can't think of a more important moment till the moment where I finally began to love my body. The story right here is called The Shorts. Three years ago, I first got my, uh, my first bike and I rode it around year-round ever since. Riding around, I quickly realized that my butt got hot a lot. And you know you get that swass that happens like in between your butt cheeks? Especially if you got like an old bike. I couldn't bike around with jeans anymore. So I was like, all right, I need to get a pair of shorts. I was super nervous because it was the first time I'd worn shorts since I was 16. And the latest fashion statement were those shorts that you zipped off at the kneecap. <laughs> So needless to say, I was like, all right, I have better fashion sense now. You can probably see that. So I went down to Pilsen Vintage and Thrift and found this beautiful pair of royal blue shorts. They were super soft to the touch. They stretched when I rotated my leg. And they were wide enough where they didn't feel like they vice gripped on my thighs. And they were a length that was a little shorter than I was used to. So... You know, I was definitely more comfortable, um, but it was a little bit uncomfortable in a way. But I really liked the way I looked in them. So I took the shorts on their first ever inaugural bike ride. It was a nice, crisp, late summer morning, so the streets were filled of those annoying kids that blocked the walkways when they're crossing the streets. So I was crossing Blue Island in 18th, heading on over to my job at the time. And as I was passing the annoying group of the kids, uh, three of them called out, Hey man, you shouldn't be wearing those shorts. You shouldn't be wearing those. Those are way too short, dude. <laughs> After they said that, I biked over to the nearest block and I got off my bike and I just started crying. This confidence pedestal that I was on just crumbled and went into quicksand. And I just made sure I was out of their visibility and I just like, I just didn't feel good about myself. My old body dysmorphia knocked on the door and broke the window and I didn't answer it. When I got back home from work, I folded the shorts up and I didn't wear them for another week. I always had this weird relationship with my body, but it never became so apparent until those teenagers said that really rude thing to me as I was biking past them. It also brought up all the triggering thoughts 
whenever I go out and I order a really fire looking beet and feta sa- uh, like salad and then the server just says, oh, that's it? It's those same internal tears that come when I come across another online essay or social media post that dismisses me as wrong, a problem, or something that needs to be fixed. A couple days later, I took inventory of myself. I looked at all the piercings across my body, the tattoos all across my skin, and this collaboration of muscle, fat, and bone that make up the humanity of my being. I felt the pieces of fabric that surrounded every day and protected from the elements. I began to see everything at their face value. The work of art that is my presence and the other mortal works of art that surround me daily. Works of sculpture that stand, sit, ride bikes, run, sleep, shit, make mistakes. I took ownership of myself and said, damn it, I feel good and I'm gonna embrace every fucking moment of it. Eventually those shorts ripped two years later. I immediately picked up a new pair after. Same length, but this time in a bright red. And even though it's too cold to wear them today, I've worn them every summer since. Thanks. Thank you, James. That was fantastic. Guys, please, everybody, go download Open Ended and listen to it on your commute home. You will not regret it. Uh, coming up next to the stage, another person important to the Chicago podcast community. She's actually the head of the Chicago podcast co-op. Also, you saw her sing some Led Zeppelin about 20 minutes ago. This is Claire Friedman. Yeah. That's me. That's a me. All right. A couple years ago, I got to go to Australia for work, which was... Cool as fuck. Highly recommend getting a free trip to Australia. Um, if you can convince your boss that that's worthwhile. Uh, so I was in Australia, and I had just gotten done with a long day of hanging out with wallabies. Because um, I had just gone to the Melbourne Zoo by myself. And uh, I was sitting in bed, and I was getting ready for the next day, where like the convention that we were going to was going to start. And I realized that the first thing I needed to do when I got back was go out to lunch and tell someone that I could never see them again. Um, and I, the trip to Australia actually came at a really good time because that was someone that I had been in like a very uh, complicated relationship with and I needed some time to think about it. Um, about a year before that moment, I had been at a holiday party for a theater that I performed at, and I'm pretty sure I was not invited to that party. Um, There was another person who was also not invited to that party whom I didn't know, and so I went up and talked to him because I hadn't dated anyone in a long time and I was trying to get laid. And and it totally worked. Uh, So we started seeing each other. Um, our first date was over breakfast because we were both so busy that we couldn't see each other, but we kept talking and we kept seeing each other. Uh, and, but about five weeks in, we realized like, this probably isn't going to work. Like, I'm looking for a relationship. He wasn't and like communicated that and was like, yeah, no harm, no foul. You know, we had a nice time. Let's go about our merry way. Um, and we did that. And the hard thing about it was we were so bad at breaking up. Uh, we were really good at not kissing, um, barely, but uh, we were really bad because we both liked each other so much that we would talk every single day without fail. And I felt like so like high school level clingy where I was just like, I like this boy and I want to talk to him, even though I, I don't know if he wants to talk to me, but I want to talk to him every day. Um, 
and and we just did uh and it got to a point where um you know we like had dinner and we were like okay we're not dating each other right yeah right let's recommit to this and then let's go see grand Budapest hotel why not <laughs> um and we did and i got home and my car got broken into and he was the only one i could think to call and he came over and he made me feel a lot better and uh we did not sleep together big success on all fronts um but he but he stayed there and just made sure that i felt okay so a little bit after that we wound up getting back together and then we broke up then we got back together again for like a couple weeks and then we broke up again uh, and then we got back together again and then we broke up um and then it was like okay we got to stop this is ridiculous this is this is terrible Um and so that's the person that I was thinking about when I was sitting in a bed in Australia is thinking like fuck I'm in love with him and I can never see him again because it'll just keep happening and keep happening and I know he's not in the same place that I am Fast forward to the next morning uh I'm at this convention I've been setting stuff up all morning I've been setting stuff up for our panel um and I get a uh, uh email on my shitty international windows phone <laughs> and it says hey can you video or talk on the phone tonight and i was like i mean yeah sure i'm off my shift in like 6 or 7 hours there's just like a 17 hour time difference i have no time where i'm no idea what time it was anywhere but i was like yeah i get off in 6 or 7 hours i can i can talk to you then he's like cool 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 hey but what can you talk for like 2 minutes right now and i was like somebody's dead <laughs> Somebody's dead. Someone's on the edge of a building. Someone's in the hospital. His mom had been having heart problems all summer. I'm like, shit's going down. I need to get out of here and figure this out. And I couldn't make any phone calls on my Windows phone, and I couldn't figure out it how to use it. And so I was just like, you guys, I gotta go. And I ran across the street in the middle of Australia, through this crowd of people, to my hotel, ran upstairs, couldn't get a Wi-Fi signal, stole it from the, my coworker's cell phone and tethered my phone and got on Google and gave him a call and I said, "What? What is it? Is everything okay?" And he said, "Oh. Um, yeah, everything's okay. I just no no no." And I said, "What?" And he went, "Oh, I just needed to tell you that not you." <laughs> and I said, "What?" <laughs> and he said, "I just needed to tell you that I'm in love with you." And I said, "What?" Cuz that time I heard it, but I didn't believe it. And from his perspective at this point, he was like, "I got to hang up cuz this is not going the way I wanted it to." Um and he said, "I'm in love with you. I've been an idiot and I didn't realize it. And you don't have to say anything back and you don't have to feel the same way, but you needed to know before you came back because what if you die in a plane crash and I can never tell you and I just needed to tell you today that I'm in love with you. And I said I'm in love with you too. And we've been together ever since. Thank you, Claire. That was so sweet. Well, so earnest of you tonight. Where's the bits? Everyone's being real. Tanner, it's too real. Uh, so before we take a break, I mentioned at the top we have some very special musical guests, and we're going to hear from them now. This is Jason Seed and Tara Ramsey, and they're coming around that way. So give them a second. Everyone, keep the clap going. Keep it going. Yeah, a little louder now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now they're going to take a few minutes setting up. So everyone, just calm down for a second. And what Led Zeppelin song will you be playing? <laughs> 
Gallows pole. Yeah. <laughs> also off of the three. Okay, so the, I'm just going to talk loud. Um, the way this is a, a beginning story of music of a musical sort is uh, I fell asleep on the couch, and uh, when I woke up, I, I heard the clock, and I noticed that the clock was was ticking in dotted quarter notes, which, if you've ever read music, makes absolutely no sense at all, right? Because one would be off the beat every other time. So my immediate thought was, you know, something's going wrong with me. <laughs> but as I, uh, as I sat and listened to this, I realized I was feeling three, four, three beats underneath these two, okay? The dotted quarter notes. And because of that, an enormous amount of the dream that I was having kind of flooded into my conscious brain. And uh, I was able to remember what was going on in the dream. In the dream, I was playing on the radio with a group of people, and everything was going wrong. And I was just really pissed off. And Microphones were melting, and things were just not happening correctly. But uh, the music, as it was supposed to happen, was really clear in my head. And so when I woke up, I still remembered it. So I was able to scratch out 40 measures of it really fast. And then kind of bring about the rest of, of this. So this is the first 40 measures of this, and it repeats it at the end, is music that is directly from some dream I had that I had never written or heard before. So I'm hoping I've now got a metronome set up, okay, for a clock to, as an alarm to try to repeat this. So I'm going to make like a, a suite of really fucked up dream music, right? <laughs> so this is fucked up dream music number one. <laughs>
Your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you enjoy your stories, you might also like Open-Ended. Hosts Cher Vincent and James T. Green take a weekly dive into topics like tech news and code, code switching, and gender. Uh, all wrapped in the comfort of listening to two best friends disagree. For more on Open-Ended, go to openended.fm. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.